This podcast is brought to you by public.com, the investing social network. Public is a free app where you can own the companies you believe in and share ideas in a community of investors. There are a few investing apps out there, but here's what's different about public. There are social features that allow people to share and discover new ideas, and the app supports responsible investing habits, so they don't encourage day trading, nor do they offer margin accounts or options. Features like safety labels on potentially risky stocks give members more complete context. Public has also opted out of payment for order flow, so they don't sell your trades to third parties. Public's community is about 40% women and 45% people of color, so its members come from all sorts of backgrounds and walks of life. Conversations on public span deep dives into new IPOs, as well as general insights on financial wellness and category trends. You can even use group chats to build investing clubs with your friends. Head over to public.com to sign up and start with a free slice of stock. Get going with as little as $1, and if you're looking to transfer your portfolio over from another brokerage, they'll even cover fees for accounts valued at over $150. Some fine print, valid for U.S. residents 18 years and older, and subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from Fintech Today, where we talk about all things fintech. And in this episode, I am joined by Maya Bittner, the co-founder of Pinch, which was acquired by Chime. She also does angel investing in fintech. She runs a fintech book club. So it's safe to say this girl lives and breathes fintech. So it's honestly a shame it's taken us so long to get her on the podcast because she's the perfect guest. Julie, I'm uh, such a fan of fintech today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. So this is part two of our series on couples finances. And let's start off just like I did with Sarah in part one. Give me a little bit about your background. You recently got engaged, correct? Yeah. So recently got engaged, um, had serious relationships in you know my past and struggled with a lot of money issues, but never really shared finances with any of my previous boyfriends. Um, now, right, I'm engaged and we've also been kind of like diving headfirst in. Um, so that's me. And you said you you don't own a home or anything together, but you do have a car. Do you have a, a fur baby that you own together or anything? Oh, we do. <laughs> yeah. So we have um, little little munchkin, Bramble. And so we split that and then we don't... Um, we actually, so we each individually own a house um, and it's funny. So we each own a house uh, that we're like working through, but we kind of consider, so like legally, like I own a house and he owns a house, um, but we're really kind of collaborators on both of them. And so each of us did, like we each have a mortgage in our names. We each did the down payment, um, but we split the mortgage payments now going forward. Um, between us for both houses. So we're both paying the mortgages of both houses, even though the mortgage is only in one person's name and um, you know, each of us provided the down payment for our own house. Interesting, okay, cool. I would assume, are the mortgage payments roughly the same on each of them then, uh, or was there a bigger difference? They're not. Um, the mortgage payments are pretty different, but 
right? We're splitting each of the mortgage payments 50-50. Interesting. What, what drew you to that conclusion? Because I just find that everyone has such different ideas of what couples finances look like, right? Like there's some people that literally just put everything together. There's some people that put basically nothing together. There's people like I fall in the camp of where I put some things together and then we keep them something separate. Um, it, it, and it's just an ever changing thing, especially in an environment where, um, like I was lucky in that my husband and I make roughly the same income. We have both have good credit scores, whereas there's people that have like drastically different backgrounds and it, it really can add a lot of complications in there too. Totally. I think we, right. It's pretty simple for us because like you and your husband, right. We kind of have like very similar, um, financial situations, both now and we've had very similar financial journeys, which I think leads into having similar attitudes and values around money. So that's that's made it a lot easier. The reason we ended up with the separate houses thing, um, one, it felt like buying the houses together. It felt like there was no financial benefit to that, but there was more complications and more costs involved with getting the mortgage and things like that. So it felt like it didn't help and it kind of hurt. Um, felt like it was a little bit, um, you know, more straightforward from a setup perspective. And then there's the non-financial part, which I actually find is often the most meaningful and really interesting. And I think from a non-financial perspective, for me, um, it was really helpful to have each of us is like the point person for our own house. And that makes sense, right? So it's sort of like, well, like, like each one is, we're sort of like the project manager and the other one will help a lot um, when asked, but we each sort of like lead stuff for our own houses. So, um, you know, like I make sure that we have a trash and recycling service set up that comes and picks it up, right? And I, it's like, we split the costs of that, but I'm the one that's sort of like making sure it's set up for my house. And then he's sort of making sure that it's set up for his house. Um, and so it's been kind of a, I don't know, it's been kind of a way of, of sort of splitting chores. I mean, this now sounds ridiculous. It's like, like our long-term plan is not really to own two houses. Well, maybe we'll own two houses and, and rent out one of them and live in the other one. Um, and even from that perspective, it's helpful to have like a point person or, you know, they call it like the, the, the person who's ultimately responsible and, and to have that be one person and not have each of us assuming that the other one is going to um, take responsibility for, for all the nitty gritty details. Have you used any fintech services throughout this? Like with the mortgage, do you use something that kind of, I don't, I don't know if you guys have a joint account together or anything where you kind of manage your finances that way, but how has fintech helped you on this so far? We've, yeah, we've done a bunch of different stuff. So, um, we use, we have a Zeta joint account, which has been awesome. Um, and then our mortgages, so we each pay our mortgages um, twice per month, and that's set up on the Zeta account, and then we each fund the Zeta account. We fund it in different ways it works out. Like I have my direct deposit split to automatically fund the Zeta account for the mortgages. My fiance has, um, he hates his company's um payroll system right because everybody hates their company like he can't figure out how to log in i don't i don't even know if he ever has so he doesn't want to muck with his direct deposit which i think is a common concern and so in zeta he's just set up 
um, you can set up like an automated recurring transfer from his main bank account to fund the Zeta account. So it's like we kind of each, but like I don't like that because other reasons. So it's like we get to each sort of fund the account in the way that works best for us. Um, and I imagine, I mean, this doesn't happen to be us, but like if one of us didn't like the automated thing, we could like manually fund it through other ways. And so we have that joint account. We were before Zeta, I mean, Zeta is a pretty new product. Um, been a fan for a long time. I'm an investor, but the actual joint account product is pretty new. So before Zeta launch, we were using Braid, formerly known as Compound, um, as kind of like a, you know, unofficial joint account. So we had, I don't know what the right uh, terminology is, but we had like a Braid for um, Key and I, and then we had some like sort of different pockets. Um, and that was super cool. I love that there was a huge amount of visibility mm. for the braid stuff. And I loved, so Zeta has this too, that it's like you can kind of annotate transactions in line, which is really valuable. And even for me, as I'm trying to keep all of our money stuff straight, like one of the annoying things about braid is that you buy something with a braid card. Um, like if I bought something out of the, out of our couple braid, um, but then I returned it, the refund would go to my personal account, not the braid account. And I'm like, my fiance doesn't care, but I'm such a stickler for like making sure the right amount of money is in every bucket. Um, so I would always then like transfer the refunded amount back into our couple account. Um, and then I would annotate it like, hey, this is that like mixer that I returned to Costco, um, you know, and here's the refund for that. And so just even like for my own sort of tracking, um, that was super helpful. And for people that aren't familiar, what exactly does Braid do and how does it differ from Zeta? And I love that you're talking about Zeta because Adity is our next guest on the podcast. So it's a perfect segue. <laughs> perfect. Braid is an interesting product. So it's, um, what Braid is, is it's an app and you can create somewhat infinite number of different, different pots of money. Um, so like I said, we had a couple one and we had other ones and then you can choose who is in your shared pot of money. It reminds me almost of Splitwise where you have different Splitwise groups and you have your one Splitwise account and then you belong to different groups that are used for different things. I think that's the intention of Braid really is to be sort of like a Splitwise in a way of splitting expenses with a bunch of different people. You get one Braid debit card and inside the app, you can then switch which of your groups or braids or whatever um, that it is spending money out of. And then you can really easily transfer money in between uh, your linked bank account, your personal braid account, your different braid groups, um, all that different stuff. And so I, I think the imagined use case is like maybe you have one, like a couple braid. Um, maybe you have one for like your soccer team. Maybe you have one for your roommates. It's like any group of people that you often need to to share expenses and and fund. You know, maybe you do one for a vacation. Um, it's an interesting idea. I really like you know. There's this concept of soft fintech, which is like just information, things like budgeting tools, um, contrasted with hard fintech, which is things that's actually moving money, lending stuff like that. Braid is like the hard fintech version of Splitwise, and I really like these hard fintech startups. I worry that Braid is technology without a real use case. Um, 
like I don't know that I I really need these like group it's like roommates is a super solid one um but that's kind of the only group that's really sharing expenses and funding on an ongoing basis I don't know if soccer teams is that actually do they actually have expenses do they have income like that concept is a little fuzzy to me and then every other occasion where I've been splitting expenses with the friends like dinner or weekend vacations or things like that it's always a new ad hoc group of friends like it's never the same six people that were like oh yeah we can just fund this out of our existing shared braid account like it's always a split wise that spun up just for the occasion um and i would love to see something that's like more focused on that in terms of, of splitting expenses so braid it's it was four groups of people it worked really well for us for a lightweight joint account and it wasn't officially a joint account they were kind of mimicking that and so i appreciated that like on-ramp into right because zetas their branding is very officially like a couple's account and i think that could be kind of like scary and intimidating um to some couples who are early in their relationship yeah especially if i don't know we my husband and i ended up moving in together after like six months of dating but someone that maybe they've been dating for like a couple years and you want to have some sort of account together but you haven't taken that step of like moving in or getting engaged married whatever it sounds like that's a good like baby step kind of like you said <laughs> yeah so one thing i don't a lot of these things are fairly new too like zeta is what like a year or two old if that um sofi launched a joint account about a year ago hm bradley just launched a joint account a few months ago um first question why do you think it's taken so long to get this kind of stuff and then second question where can we go from here like what additional things can we add on that would make you want to invest in a company make you want to use it personally yeah i think the timing thing is interesting i mean first of all like it's like 2021 it's like this is the year of fintech everything is booming so and there's been some tech advances and some cultural advances that have encouraged that i think for couples specifically like millennials right they're getting married later and less often they're buying houses and cars later and less often there's some demographic shifts that have really made this this funny like we're not married but we're serious ground have a lot more people in it and the needs that this this group is experiencing have gotten a lot more painful. And so that's an area that I'm I'm really interested in. Like, frankly, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume that like Chase and Bank of America have joint accounts that work reasonably well for people. And so I actually feel like that step before you get a, a joint account at Bank of America is a really interesting space. And that's where Zeta's playing in and then Braid before that. Um, and potentially even like Splitwise and Venmo uh, before that step. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, there's more people in this space there, there's more interest, there's more trust of these, there's more, um, there's one more thing that I'm having trouble putting words to, but I feel like because people are getting married less often, they're more established in their careers and they might have houses separately already. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you get married when you're 22, you kind of like grow those habits and those resources to, together. But if you're in a serious relationship and you're 36 and you have a whole career and you have your own 401k and you have your own car and your own, like you have all your own stuff, I think it gets more complicated to start merging your finances in, in a way that makes sense and sharing things. And so I think that's, that's a part of the reason too. It's an interesting point too, because while I was a little bit older when I got married, I also lived in New York where it's really expensive to buy a home and the vast majority of people rent their places. 
Uh, whereas my sister, who is dating someone right now, whether they get married or not, is still like a long ways away, but like they each own their own home. So if they were to do that, that would be something that'd be different. Do they, like you said, keep both homes and rent out one and live in the other? Do they sell both and then buy one together? It gets really complicated. And another thing that I was talking about with Syra on the first episode is just, I feel like once my marriage was official, I should have gotten something from my bank being like, hey, we see you just got married. Here's how you can think about your finances moving forward. There's no like automatic action that happens before I even tell them something. And even if I did want to go tell my bank, hey, I got married, what should I do? I don't, I use Challenger Bank, so they're still very young and whatnot. I use Zeta, I use H and Bradley, but there's no function outside of Zeta for me to go in and be like, hey, I got married, what should I do? Are there things that my husband and I should look at? Like, here's our current financial situation separately. Should we put them all together? Like, how much should we keep separate? How much should we put together? There's all these questions going on in your head and there's no rule book for it or things to sort of just like dive into and have an app help me, right? Yeah, and I think even some playbooks or things I see my friends doing, you, you can't copy and paste that, right? Like I remember one of my friends got life insurance after he bought a house because he wanted to make sure that um, if he died, right, that um, his partner could still stay in the house even if they didn't have the income to support staying there. Makes total sense. So I bought life insurance when I bought my house because I'm like, yep, this makes sense. Like they can still pay for the house um, and still own that and everything will work out well. But only when I really dug into it, I was like, wait, right? As established, my fiance and I, we would make the same amount of money. We have the same amount of money. We can kind of like, it doesn't actually make sense that he wouldn't be able to afford my house if I wasn't here. And then further, I don't even know that he would want, it's like now that he has his own house, I don't know that he would want this house. It probably, like if I died, it'd probably just sell the house. I don't know. So I'm like looking at this monthly life insurance bill and I'm like, why did I buy this? You know, I don't have kids. Like I have a dog, dog doesn't need life insurance. Really. You know, you know, it's sort of like, and so I kind of want to cancel it because I had sort of just copy and pasted what I saw a friend do when they transitioned into this stage of their relationship and I thought was the right thing to do. But it doesn't make sense for my context. And I think there's some personalization aspect there that's important too. Yeah, I think so too. And you make a good point in that it's so complicated and there's not just some formula that you can copy and paste. And I think in my mind, I feel like that's why it's been so hard for a fintech company or a bank or anyone really to sort of crack the code on how to evolve this space and solve a true consumer pain point because every single consumer is very different. Yep, exactly. I mean, if in your time, both working at Chime, founding a startup, investing in a lot of fintech startups, what would make you, I mean, you obviously invested in Zeta, so you think what they're doing is cool, but what are other ways that if a company came to you and pitched some idea around couples finances that you'd be like, oh, like this is a really good idea. I think this could be one of the next things in this space. And, um, you know, I would back something like this. Yeah, so three kind of guiding principles I have, like one, I think transparency is huge. And that was one of the accolades that I had for Braid. It's so transparent, like who is moving money, when they're moving it, how much, from which account and to which account. There's a whole log of that. And they do that really, really well, displaying that, as well as the annotations that you can add if you want to. I think control is another piece. And the control piece that really starts to show up with what if you have a joint account with someone and you break up, right? Like how does that control play out in that situation. And these things are really messy and ties into my third piece, which is 
emotions, addressing the real like emotional reality of money. Um, I've also invested in a company called Snowball, which is really predicated on like helping people understand their emotional relationship to money and using that further. And we pretend like it's just an objective thing and there's a, like a right decision, but it's such an emotional thing. And so when you combine that with couples, it gets really, really heightened. And I think it'd be really deliberate about the tools that we create in these scenarios and the permissions. Like Zeta has a concept of yours, mine, and ours. And you can set the visibility that your partner has into just your money. Um, while of course they have full visibility into the R money. And I think that's a really smart way to approach it. Um, so yeah, th these are all the things that I'm thinking of. I think when people pitch me and, and they act like it's simple, that's my biggest red flag. I think it's an appreciation for how complicated it is. And then maybe um, startups that are like, hey, we know the whole landscape is really complicated. So we're just designing a product for like this very narrow pathway. Like we are helping unmarried couples buy homes together or we are like just very narrow. I think that stuff is really strong um, because trying to be everything to everyone is hard to be successful. Totally. And if people want to reach out to you with questions on this or ideas, what's your Twitter handle again? It's at Maya B, M-A-I-A-B. That's super easy to remember. Thank you for joining us today, Maya. And then, like I said, part three, we will have Adity from Ask Zeta, um, a company that you've heard mentioned in both episodes so far. So we're excited for that one. That'll be out in a few days. Otherwise, thank you, Maya, for joining us. Anyone that listens to us, go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Give us a five-star review, and we will see you next time. Thank you, Maya. Thanks, Julie.